Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in Friday edition of the program, complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. We've made it to the end of the week. We've got a big high school football slate tonight, some great college football set for the weekend, and things are really rolling as we prepare to enter the fall here in Southern Indiana. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. We're going to talk high school football, as we always do on Fridays to begin our program. We go around the area to some of the games that I think are going to be the more interesting contest tonight for various reasons. And just a moment, we're going to hear from Steve Cooley, the head coach at New Albany, a big challenge for New Albany tonight as they take on Columbus East. And we know the stranglehold over the Hoosier Hills Conference that East has had, but Two weeks ago, they were defeated by Seymour. Can New Albany be the next HHC team to record a win over the Olympians? It would sure do big for New Albany's chances to win a conference championship this year. Also, in this opening segment, David Pappenhaus, the coach at Silver Creek, joins us. The Dragons have been good so far this season, and tonight they'll take on a challenge from an upstart program in Scottsburg that is 4-0 on the season, and they are fired up for this Mid-Southern Conference game tonight. So we'll see what Silver Creek can do and if they can handle business as they've done against Scottsburg since Scottsburg's football program has returned. And Coach Pappenhaus will join us to chat about that here coming up in a bit. Later in the hour, Dylan Wallace, he's sports editor of the Seymour Tribune now. He joins us to talk IU football and basketball on Fridays. We'll do that with him, obviously, from a college perspective, from a Big Ten IU perspective. Uh, nothing more important coming up on Saturday than Cincinnati, a very good football team at Indiana, number eight ranked Cincinnati. Uh, should be a good one and a real challenge for IU as well to see if they can answer back from that uh, terrible start to the season at a very good Iowa team. So we'll do that with Dylan a little bit later, and then we'll wrap up the week with Kyle Nedenrip of the Indianapolis Star, more high school football, basketball recruiting, as Mike Woodson and the coaching staff have been on the road all week, and lots more with Kyle coming up. That's the lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Check out their dinner package deals that are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. A big slate of high school football, week five already of the regular season. Providence 2-2 two and two at Charlestown tonight. The Pirates are also 2-2. Two and two. Salem just 1-1 one and one after missing some games. They're at Clarksville, who is 1-3 tonight. Can the Generals pick up another win here in this 2021 season? I mentioned New Albany at 2-2 two and two overall after some very tough competition to start the season. They've got two consecutive wins over Hoosier Hills Conference opponents. 
at Columbus East, who is one and three so far this season. But don't let that record fool you. They've played some good competition. Rivalry games tonight, probably the biggest is Floyd Central at Jeffersonville. The Highlanders 0-4, the Red Devils 1-2. A win here for Jeff is really big as far as the conference goes. Silver Creek at Scottsburg, the Dragons 2-1. Scottsburg 4-0 so far this season. And Rock Creek 1-2. They've got a tough challenge tonight on the road at North Davies who is 3-1 this season. Steve Cooley of New Albany with me right now. Coach, a tough schedule to start the season. We spoke lots about that previously, and I'm sure the Bloomington Souths and the Gibson Southerns of high school football in our state helped get you ready for a game like tonight at Columbus East. Yeah, they have. I mean, you know, Bloomington South 4-0, they're right number third, I think, right now in 5A football. And, uh, you know, Gibson Southern had a setback last week against a very athletic team out of Bowling Green, Kentucky, a big 6A program. And, uh, you know, they were right number one up until last week in their classification. So, yeah, those first two games were, were, were tough for us, but uh, we learned a lot. And uh, we were still out, you know, those two weeks with 17 kids with COVID-related issues as far as contact tracing. But we're, we're almost back to full strength. We're only going to be out probably one or two kids tonight. Uh, starting defensive linemen will be back Monday from tracing. But uh, uh, other than that, you know, we're excited and uh, next man up. And our, our young kids had to step up the last few weeks, and they've done a nice job for us. Coach Cooley, tonight is a big Hoosier Hills Conference game because your team 2-0 and in the conference, a win at Columbus East, would not only be big for momentum, but big to put you in maybe command of the conference race at this point. However, it's really easy to look at Columbus East and say they're one and three and they lost to Seymour a few weeks ago. But if you look to who they've lost, they, they were defeated by a very good Whiteland team to start the season. Then they took on their rival in Columbus, Columbus North, who is always very good. Seymour, a bit of a surprise. It was a close competitive 28 24 win for Seymour over Columbus East. But even though Columbus East has a record that's not normal for them, even though they've got a first year head coach, uh, they are still a very good Columbus East team. This is a game where you guys are going to have to play really well going in there, and I know you know that. Yeah, for us, it's going to be exciting. We're going to the hospital environment. You know, their kids will be ready to play. We'll be ready to play. Coach Vogel's been there for 20 years with him. I mean, he's been a head coach before, and Eddie does a great job. He's been their defensive coordinator. So I've had plenty of battles with him when I was at Jeff and when I've been here. And I mean, so uh, he's a veteran coach. So they've, uh, you know, um, they may be down one and three on the, on the uh, scoreboard right now, but uh, they're still the east of old as far as up front running the football doing those type of things. But uh, so we've got to do a better job. You know, we, we did a good job against Bedford last week. I think we held their offense at 30-some yards rushing the second half when they ran the ball on pretty much everybody they played. So uh, our run defense is getting better. So our run defense has to come to play. And we got to get, get some stops and get off the field. And then, you know, we got to do what we do offensively and uh, get the, spread the ball around and throw it and run it and get the ball in the hands of our athletes and uh, let those kids make some things happen. So uh, it'll, it'll, be a, it'll be a fun environment tonight. Our kids are excited. We're going to have great weather. It'll be a great high school football game to come watch. Coach Cooley, I want to single out Darrell Simmons, your senior quarterback. I read this week he's 62 of 95 passing for 907 yards, nine touchdowns, only two interceptions so far this season. He is off to a really good start for your team and has been a big key of these last two victories. Yeah, he has. And, you know, he's probably only playing about 75% right now. You know, he got beat up a few weeks ago and, uh, he still, you know, we, we tape him up and he gets in there. He still limps around. We we haven't been able to turn him loose yet with our option stuff that we run, but uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks we can get him going and that type of stuff. We've been very limited and laid back, but, you know, he's been just kind of a pocket passer. 
just because of his mobility. I mean, yesterday he probably ran about 85%. So he's, uh, you know, as he gets healthier here, we'll unleash him more as far as that goes. But, you know, with Keandre Winford running the ball hard and Miles Johnson finally back healthy, because Miles didn't play the first two games for us as well. And then, uh, you know, receiving core on the outside, we've got some talented kids, and Dejon Winburn, and, you know, and obviously Jay Raylan Johnson was second in the state receiving up to last week. So we've got some weapons on the outside as well. Coach, I've got to ask uh, your kids when you talk about Columbus East and the importance of this game in the conference race and just getting another win in the regular season here really at the midseason point, uh, the number of times in a row Columbus East has defeated the Bulldogs I think goes all the way back to 2002. What's their reaction to that dominance that Columbus East has had, not just over New Albany, but the conference as well? And seeing Seymour win a few weeks ago, they've got to be licking their chops, wanting this opportunity to see what they can do as well against Columbus East. Well, you know, when we watch the film, I mean, that, that score, I mean, East was in command the entire game. You know, they had a couple turnovers there that, that put Seymour in good field position. Seymour had a kickoff return back for a touchdown. You know, they fumbled the ball with the lead, you know, with about two minutes to go. And then, you know, they drove the ball down. They ran a trick play at the I mean, there's a lot of things happened for Seymour went perfect for them to win that game. So it wasn't like Seymour just came out and smacked them and, and dominated the game. So, you know, East made a few, you know, unconventional mistakes for the for Columbus East team, and uh, and Seymour capitalized. I mean, Seymour ended up beating them in the end, and that's why you play for four quarters. But uh, you know, our, our kids will be ready to go. You know, uh, I think we've got a good game plan on both sides of the ball in our kicking game, and uh, we just got to execute. We got to play well. We cannot turn the ball over, and can't throw interceptions, and. Uh, we got to tackle well. I mean, they've got two big backs, and they line up, and they try to pound you, and uh, a lot of times they play in a phone booth, and so we're going to get right in there with them and mix it up and see what happens. Big win tonight for New Albany. Coach Cooley, best of luck. Thank you very much. Appreciate all you guys do for high school football. Thank you very much, and we'll continue getting ready for Friday night football. Our next guest, as we have a rapid-fire segment here, is uh, the coach of Silver Creek, David Pappenhouse, who joins us to talk about what I think is an interesting game, at least on paper tonight. Silver Creek 2-1, and 1-0 in the Mid-Southern Conference, playing on the road at Scottsburg, who's a perfect 4-0 and so far this season, and the Warriors are 2-0 and in the Mid-Southern Conference. So, Coach, mid-season, week five, going on the road, a conference opponent, and they're undefeated. I know you really look at this as a challenge for your program, your team tonight. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. Um, you know, having a game taken away last week really uh, is different. Um, you know, that was probably the worst weekend uh, that I can remember in a long time not having a football game um, last week. But, uh, you know, we are back in conference play. Uh, our kids are, are ready to get to a, to a game. Uh, you know, two straight weeks of, of practice and beating on each other. Uh, I think they're ready to hit somebody else. Um, and Scottsburg's a, a really good opponent. They are undefeated at this point. They're uh, r- rambling off about 42 points a game, I think, somewhere in that neighborhood. And, uh, you know, it's it's the first time, I think, maybe in the history of their program, which, you know, I know they had football back in the 70s. And, and such, uh, you know, I think it's the first no start. So, you know, I'm sure that the uh, town of Scottsburg is going to be uh, juiced up and we'll be going into a pretty hostile environment tonight. Coach Pappenhouse, I know your focus is on tonight, but I was going to bring up last Friday briefly to begin our chat. Uh, you're all prepared for a Friday night game against Eastern and get word, I think it was in the afternoon on this day a week ago, 
that the game would not be played. Eastern would later go on to announce that all athletic events were canceled or postponed, and I believe the entire school uh, system went to a virtual learning situation to help uh, maybe stop some spread of COVID-19. But nonetheless, uh, to be a coach that's prepared all week and to be a player uh, that has been going through practice all week, ready to play. It's one thing when you learn you've got a cancellation on a Monday, Tuesday, even a Wednesday. It leaves you a window to find a replacement, and you've had to do that once already this season. Uh, but to find out on Friday and Friday afternoon, that is just a total disappointment. And I believe last Friday was scheduled to be homecoming as well. Yeah, it uh, you know it, it was a rough deal. Um, RAD got a phone call about ten thirty. And they wow. said that um, Pekin had um, four positives that they were going to meet uh, with their administrative team. And we got, uh, you know, we kind of thought it was a foregone conclusion. Started working on it at about 1030, but it didn't officially get canceled until about 1230 um, when we got the actual call. Um, so it was for sure canceled. So, you know, when Salem canceled it, they're, you know, the same county, I guess they're under kind of the same guidelines, but... Uh, you know, we found that out Wednesday afternoon, so, you know, we scrambled around and, and luckily um, found South Oldham. Um, but, you know, we just didn't have enough time. We had to let the kids know one way or the other before they let out of school at 2.20. And uh, so we made the decision to give ourselves a hard deadline at 2. And, uh, you know, there just wasn't very many games canceled last week, so there wasn't a whole lot of open opponents. And, uh, you know, at least realistic opponents. Nobody's going to want to travel up near Chicago and finding out about this at 2 o'clock in the afternoon or vice versa. So, yeah, it's a tough situation. Hated to have to tell the kids. You know, they, you only get a finite number of uh, guaranteed games. And, you know, I feel like we kind of had 10% of our season ripped away from us and, and you know, through the of our own. Coach, we spoke earlier this week with Josh Cook about sophomore quarterbacks in the area. It's amazing how many underclassmen are getting an opportunity to start a varsity football game and maybe have started all season. You guys have one of those QBs in Peyton Lacey. How is the young guy coming along for you uh, as the leader, as the quarterback of of your team? Well, that's one of the, the you know one of Peyton's best qualities is his leadership qualities. He uh, he's had that for as, as long as I've been you know watching him play in middle school. Um, you know, he really commands the huddle, knows the offense, basically an extension of a coach on the field. Um, you know, his, his physical maturity as he gets older, he's just going to be unbelievable in a couple of years. You know, physically, he's a couple of years away or a year away. Um, but he does all the little things, the, the unmeasurable things correctly. He may not light up the, the stat sheet right now, but, um, you know, he does exactly Coach uh, Coach Cooley just a moment ago mentioned that uh, the Bulldogs will still be short a few players tonight, but things are getting back to some normal uh, situation as far as their roster goes now that mask, uh, if you wear a mask, if your school has a masking policy, uh, you don't have to, to be contact trace or quarantine unless you have actual symptoms of COVID-19. How, how are things uh, getting back to normal for the Dragons. Are they? I know that earlier in the year in the, at South Oldham game, your only loss of the season, you were missing a handful of really key guys. Yeah, it is definitely, you know, the state really um, made a, a good move here and, and gave schools a, a little bit more of a, a realistic uh, opportunity here 
Um, you know, the most important thing is that these kids be in school. And I think our superintendent set a thing, sent a thing out uh, last night. It was something like before the mask mandate started a couple of weeks back. Um, you know, I think we had 22 positive cases at Silver Creek High School and something like 580-some kids were were contact traced, quarantined mm. out of school. Um, since then, we've had, I think, six positive cases and like 11 kids were quarantined total. So, you know, I think it's much more realistic. Uh, just um, bad for us that three of the, the 11 kids quarantined were football games, but, uh, you know, you, you don't you can't win them all, I guess. So, uh, but, it, but it definitely is a lot better. We're going to have most of most of um, most of our players for tonight. Um, we do have a couple um, in the lunchroom is kind of the one spot when you're unmasking it and eating, and, and we kind of partner people up at tables, and and we had a couple, two or three guys who got quarantined through lunch with positive cases. Coach, I would say when you accepted the head coaching job at Silver Creek, you never thought you would have to pay as much attention as you are about who sits together in the lunchroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that and uh, seating charts and uh, taking pictures of who sits where on a bus and masks. And, uh, I think I've said policies and or, uh, procedures and protocols about 15 million times in the last two years. Yeah, absolutely. Coach Pappenhouse of Silver Creek, the Dragons on the road tonight. They'll take on four and O Scottsburg. And uh, I was looking back at the Scottsburg history. They returned varsity football 2015 with a two and four record, and uh, have had some mediocre years. Had a one and nine season back in 2018, three and seven a year ago. So pretty neat to see Scottsburg, uh, you know, get football back again and have some success. Uh, very similar to the Silver Creek situation. And of course, Coach, we all know the success that you guys are having. So best of luck tonight, and we'll talk with you again very soon. All right, sounds good, Matt. Thank you. All right, that's David Pappenhouse of Silver Creek. Steve Cooley before him. Always fun on this football Friday to go around the area. We pick two or three of the most interesting games and feature the coaches in a pretty quick-hitting situation, so appreciate those guys. Cooperation on game day. Some big ones tonight in high school football. And after this week, we are on the slide to the postseason, which is crazy to believe, but uh, it's going to be October before you know it. And uh, football postseason at the high school level will be here before you know it as well. Speaking of high school sports, last night a big soccer match, New Albany and Floyd Central, both the boys and the girls. And it was a 1 0 victory for Floyd Central over rival New Albany. Big Hoosier Hills Conference soccer game last night. On the girls' side, Floyd Central also a winner. They defeated New Albany by a score of 3-0. So two wins last night, big ones for Floyd Central in the local soccer scene. We've got some good soccer teams as well this season. Going to be interesting to see if we can have a repeat from the area. Providence won it a year ago. Could we have uh, see the Pioneers get back or another team? Uh, from our local area, have some success as well. Silver Creek Girls Soccer had a great season a year ago as well. We'll head to a break. We're back with Dylan Wallace, sports editor of the Seymour Tribune. We'll talk local sports, a little football with him, but also we'll dig into that big IU-Cincinnati game tomorrow. Bloomington is going to be the place to be. If you've got a ticket, maybe even if you don't have a ticket, 
The tailgating scene is going to be awesome. The stadium is open early to help with lines and things of that nature. And a lot of excitement around this IU football program and this big game coming up tomorrow. So we'll chat all about it next. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, back with you here on this Friday program. Dylan Wallace, sports editor of the Seymour Tribune, is my guest. Dylan, big, big environment expected tomorrow in Bloomington for the IU-Cincinnati football game. And for this Indiana team, I know they had, what, a 42-point win over Idaho last week. Uh, To be quite honest, yes, Michael Penix looked a little better. Yes, the team in general looked a little better. But they should have against a, uh, what, mid-major to low-major at best college football program so this week three game is really the first chance since Iowa to see uh, was that a fluke is Iowa just really good was it a combination of both of those things and can this Indiana team still have the season that at one time they were projected to have a big game coming up for multiple reasons Dylan yeah absolutely Uh, I'd just like to say that you asked me what I predicted the score would be last Friday for Idaho I said 49-14 and there were like 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter and that was the score and I was going to get right (laughs) but I scored one more touchdown to make it 56-14 so I was wrong but yeah I mean you know you were right though I can't wait from that game not feeling that great I mean I the offense still just seems like something's off you know you look at Penix's numbers through I guess basically a half of football uh, you know, he only had 68 yards passing. It just didn't seem like the passing game is, is there. I know Carr's numbers look good, but it just, it, you know, the offensive line, I don't know. I mean, it was against Idaho. It's tough to sort of gauge, but still, it didn't seem like the offense really has that explosiveness that we saw from them last season, you know, to be able to push the ball down the field. Um, you know, you could always say, hey, you know, they're they're not trying to show a lot on film right now for Cincinnati, blah, blah, blah. I get all that. Um, so, you know, that could potentially be a, a thing that happens. So, you know, I'm not I'm not certainly, you know, overacting the Idaho win and thinking that all, all of a sudden Indiana's back. Um, I think it's just, you know, the, either they had a really bad game against Iowa and, you know, we'll find out come Saturday or, you know, potentially the concerns against Iowa are still really prevalent right now in week three and, that would uh, probably not be good for Indiana's case against a really good Cincinnati team. So this is a huge game. Um, the environment, as you said, will be pretty awesome. Um, you know, I expect it to, you know, there was the Ohio State game in 2017, uh, that Thursday night opener in like August. You know, that was, that was really awesome. That was probably the best environment that I've been in for an IU football game. I expect this to be, you know, second closest or maybe even better just because the expectations for the team are much larger. So really excited. You know, even last week against Idaho, the, the student section really came out. They sort of filled not just their own sort of section, but they kind of spread across uh, that side too. So it was just really good atmosphere um, for the first half. Obviously, everybody, you know, left after it got out of hand, and I don't blame them. So, you know, I think it's going to be really awesome. Tailgate fields open at 7. The, door, the, go, the doors were open for the Memorial Stadium at 10. So I think Indiana fans are going to show out. It's going to be really exciting. And, the you know, the, the atmosphere is going to be what you need to win a game like that. And you know, the only question it is, is can Indiana execute um, unlike they did against Iowa, can they execute their game plan? 
can their offense show a little bit of life that we haven't seen in, in two games really? Um, and that that'll be the big key, and it'll be we'll, you know we'll find out kind of what this team's all about on Saturday. Dylan, obviously, I watched last week's game very intently because even though we thought it could be a 42-plus point win, in fact, as you said, you almost predicted the the correct final score here on the show, but even though we thought it would go that way, very likely, we wanted to see some of the, the advancements, some of the improvements, to see Michael Penix, and just could you get a feel for, you know, are, are they making uh, strides? And then I went back after that and revisited the Iowa game. In fact, I watched a lot of the Iowa Iowa State game on Saturday as well. And after watching that, I thought, okay, this Iowa team, they are for real. And now they're, what, a top six, top five, top ten? team for sure depending what rankings you look at I don't think there's any question that they are really good there's nothing uh, to take away from them at all but I went back to look at the IU Iowa game a little bit because I said okay we know Iowa's really good we know their defense is really good uh, was this a combination of that or was it in, in Indiana just not playing well or are there some bigger issues here for this IU football program and even after the bounce back win over Idaho I really can't tell you, and I'm not a football guy as far as breaking a film down or knowing all the intricacies of the game, but I really don't feel confident that this was just the week one game was just Iowa being really doggone good, and maybe they were underrated a bit to start the year. I think Indiana has some issues starting with Michael Penix and other issues as well. So uh, to me, this week three game, it's not just about can they get a big win at home and the environment's going to be great, and can IU capitalize on that and get back on the right path? But it's is Indiana got some things figured out, and is this Indiana team where myself and you and a lot of others thought they might be headed into the season into week three? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think you can look at the Iowa game as a combination of sort of the both things you were talking about. Yes, Iowa's really good. There's no denying that. Um, I think a lot of people actually projected them to be pretty decent this season, and they showed it through the first two weeks of the year, and now they're, you know, top five or whatever it is. But, you know, when you just when you watch the game, I mean, Indiana just did not execute well at all i mean they did a lot of things to themselves that made things so much worse like yeah Iowa's defense is really good they made things hard but indiana just did not look like they they were ready to play they had a good game plan they they, they just did not look prepared and you know it falls a lot on them for the for everything that kind of went wrong there um so you know it's going to be interesting to see how they're able to respond to that because this is a, a big game and you know this is going to be a game where you need to be on on top of your i mean unless cincinnati just comes out and you know, plays really poorly, you know, maybe Indiana could get by, which I think is goes going to what you're saying is not only, you know, sure, if they get a big win and a big crowd, that'd be good, but will they look good doing it? Will they look like a team that can really play with some of the best teams in college football this year? Uh, that's going to be a big thing to look out for, you know. can it, Will Michael Penix be able to look really comfortable in the pocket? Will he be able, will he have time to throw the ball downfield? Will will we even draw plays to try to get it down the field, the Fry Fogel, Miles Marshall, players like that? You know, a lot of things that we saw last year, we haven't seen so far this year. Uh, I know a lot of people are talking about the Jack Tuttle 76-yard touchdown pass that he had in the second half, and they're like, well, maybe they should play it. You know, just people just overreact to a lot of things. And it's, But, you know, it's going to be a real thing if Michael Penix doesn't look comfortable. And, and even just against Idaho, as I mentioned, I mean, they were just doing – short little three to five yard passes the whole entire time with him and and maybe that's just trying to establish a rhythm with him to make him feel good coming into this game which which is probably what it was you know we'll see we'll see come Saturday but you know you can't be doing that you know short of short dinking and dunking against Cincinnati you're going to need some creativity in the play calls which I think has been a concern that we haven't seen in the, in the first two weeks of, of action for this IU team um, so that's going to be a, a big thing and 
you know, we're obviously talking a lot about the offense because I think the defense has played pretty well this year. You know, Iowa scored 34 points. I think you can give away 17 of those to the offense. Obviously, the two pick sixes uh, and then another interception had Iowa basically in field goal range that they got the 17 points on. So, you know, Indiana, obviously, from that aside from that big run to open the game on Iowa's first drive, they played pretty okay, I think, against Iowa. And then, obviously, they looked really good. Uh, last week against Idaho, as they should have. But I think the defense is really going to be, when you look at sort of setting the tone and the momentum for Indiana, uh, especially if the offense is struggling, the defense is going to be where it's at. They get Jalen Williams back in the secondary this week. I think the defense is going to be a huge part of this game. And, and, you know, I think Indiana does believe that the defense is its strongest kind of phase of the game that they have this year. Obviously, special teams look pretty good last week as well. So that'll be that'll be important too. So, you know, at least Indiana's got, got a strong phase on defense, but the offense cannot come out and look how it did against Cincinnati. The play calling was was pretty poor, and just just the inability to move the ball and and you know even run the ball as well. Um, so it's going to be a really interesting thing to look out for on Saturday is what they're able to do. I don't think Cincinnati's defense is as good as Iowa's, so you know hopefully that plays in Indiana's favor. Um, but you know it's just it's just going to be eye test. Do they look like a, a, you know the football team that everyone thought they could be? Uh, coming into this 2021 season, and if the answer is no, then I think things can start to get a little bit concerning because you know after this week, Western Kentucky, but then you get Penn State on the road, you get Michigan State, Ohio State. You know things just do not get easier. So they need to get uh, a game like this, and hopefully they look good to turn their season around. Talking with Dylan Wallace, sports editor of the Seymour Tribune. Dylan, um, we always talk about oh, you got to get off to a fast start. You could use that moniker, that phrase in in any sport, and obviously that can help. But this, how about this statistic? Cincinnati 25-1 and under Coach Luke Fickle when tied or leading after the first quarter. So just kind of a reminder that this Indiana team not, needs to not only use this as a bounce-back game, but they need to get a good start, a good bounce at the beginning to maybe give themselves the best opportunity. Yeah, and you know as we mentioned a couple of times already, I mean the crowd that's going to be there – that should allow it's going to be an environment where Indiana could ideally get off to a pretty decent start. And something that's really interesting is that Cincinnati, I mean, they haven't played like a true road game, I think, in like 600 something days. It's something crazy like that. You know, obviously last year, no one really played a road game. Um, yeah, it's, been, it's been a while for Cincinnati to kind of play in a hostile environment. Um, you know, maybe that that's kind of that was another thing that hurt Indiana against Iowa was their first kind of taste in front of a live. Uh, enemy crowd in a while I don't know but maybe that'll be what happens to Cincinnati it'll be interesting you know that's a long time to not play in front of another team's opposing fans especially when it's supposed to be a sold-out environment uh, like Memorial Stadium supposed to be on Saturday so that's another that's really interesting thing to look to look out for but uh, I, I just I've just been you know looking a lot into the Cincinnati team this week I, I did a piece you know for SNN and actually just kind of looking at kind of where the trajectory started and it's really kind of an interesting parallel to Indiana you know like Tom Allen was hired December 1st, 2016. Then Luke Fickle was hired December 10th, 2016. You know, they both missed bowl games in that first season as head coaches in 2017. And then, you know, in 2018, that's where Cincinnati took off. They won 11 games. They won 11 games again in 2019. Uh, you know, they would have won 11 games last year if it wasn't such a condensed schedule, but obviously they went 9-1 went, went and one last year, just missed out on the college football playoffs. They, they obviously had that heartbreaker of a loss to, to Georgia in the Peach Bowl. Uh, so this has been a team for about three seasons now that has really, really played well um, basically the entire year of each of those seasons. Um, they obviously have a really important goal they want to be. Um, <laughs> I know they're not a Power 5 uh, school yet, but obviously they will be. But 
they could be the first power five school to potentially make a college or first non power five school, sorry, to make a, a college football playoff. So, you know, that's their goal. So they're coming in and, and they know the Indiana team is, is still, you know, obviously pretty decent. And then they have Notre Dame again next week. So they, they have an opportunity here in Indiana the next uh, two weeks to really make their statement. So I think they're going to be ready to play. And the question is, is Indiana going to be ready to play? Because obviously they were not that ready to play against Iowa. So this is going to be huge. And uh, obviously you alluded to it, just getting off to a good start will be huge. And that's, you know, you mentioned Cincinnati. I mean, we just saw how much the start against Iowa just, it, you know, we were like five minutes into the game. It felt like the game was over against Iowa. You know, the pick, the big run, the pick six, and then all of a sudden you just feel like you're, you're so far behind. And so, that yeah, the start's going to be absolutely massive, uh, and, and it's going to be interesting. I think Indiana has always said they like, if you know, if they win the toss, they like to put their defense on, on the field first, try to set that tone. So that'll be something to look out for, but uh, it's going to be really interesting come Saturday. Two teams that are really looking to, you know, get their seasons back on track. Some, yeah, I would, the sort of underdogish type teams trying to prove that they are kind of these top notch, top perennial programs this year. Yeah, no question. Dylan Wallace, my guest. Dylan, uh, it's Friday, so Friday's a good day for good news and, and things that make you smile, things that maybe even make you laugh. And this uh, statement maybe did a little bit of all for me, but Matt Norlander, who I really enjoy reading his work for CBS Sports, he wrote a piece this week about national championship contenders. And by gosh, he listed the Indiana Hoosiers and first-year coach Mike Woodson as his long-shot pick to win the NCAA National Championship. He followed that proje- projection or prediction up uh, with uh, a little bit about Woodson and a little bit about Trace Jackson Davis and some of the reasons that he could see them being a long-shot uh, opportunity to win a championship. Uh, I'm sure IU fans love to hear it. It just adds to the growing excitement about this new coach in the upcoming season. But IU, as a uh, long-shot contender for the NCAA championship, uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't even know. When's the last time Indiana's been – in the same sentence as national title since <laughs> I guess it probably would have been the the first, like the first couple games of that 27, 2017 season where they were ranked number three with OG and Bryant. And then before everything kind of went bad in Cream's final year, that's probably the last time they were really talked about it. Yeah. It's been, it's been a long time. Uh, certainly uh, not much that I can really remember from, from my time of following the team that they've been. So uh, that's a really, really high praise for them. And I think it just kind of goes to show number one, how quickly, how, how fast Mike Woodson has been able to kind of flip what a lot of people thought about him when he first got hired. I mean, now all of a sudden he's he's this awesome coach that you know could potentially lead Indiana to a national title. And when he was first hired, at, you know, back in April or whatever it was, it was a, a terrible decision for Indiana. They spent ten million dollars to get worse. Um, so yeah, so first testament to Woodson and what he's done with this program and be able to kind of change the perception of of certain media outlets or people that, you know, thought it was a bad choice in the first place. And, you know, secondly, you know, I think it's just you, when you look at their roster, when you look what they brought back, Trace Jackson Davis is back. He's obviously the big piece. Uh, bringing in Tamar Bates, bringing in the transfers like Xavier Johnson and Miller Cobb. I mean, they just really filled a lot of the holes that they were missing from last season and, frankly, from a lot of the last couple of seasons. Um, so, you know, when you look at that, it, it, it's, a, it's a promising sign for Indiana fans uh, that this team could really be – a a really solid, complete team. Obviously, every team will have some, you know, deficiencies or holes here and there. But I think just in terms of a complete all-around basketball team, 
this is probably the most one, the most complete one we're going to see from the and at least from the last couple of years. So that's definitely exciting. Um, and then obviously, you, I don't I, I look too much into sort of the other teams across college basketball outside of the Big Ten and maybe how they're looking. But, you know, if Indiana puts together a really strong year and can finish toward the top of the Big Ten, and, you know, they get into the NCAA tournament, obviously, you know, anything can happen from there, you know. I, so I, I, that was a cool thing to see that their name was kind of mentioned, mentioned like that. Um, and, you know, I think it's just, again, it's a testament to Mike, what Mike Woodson has done and just sort of the reputation that he's building. We've talked about it numerous times with recruits, what they think of him and what they think that they could, you know, he could do in Indiana. And then just what he's done with, with everyone, you know, just talk about Indiana. They all think that Indiana is going to be a much better team this year. Um, you know, the projections of the Big Ten are still around seventh, but hey, you know, Maybe maybe people will start getting a little bit higher on them once the, the we get to, more toward the season. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. And you, now you mentioning that just reminded me that you know in about two and a half weeks we're going to be at Hoosier Hysteria. So that'll be that'll be an exciting time to you know get get a little bit more hype about the basketball team as well. Dylan, obviously the start of any season is fun. College football the last few weeks has been great. Thinking about the beginning of college hoops coming up. Is going to be awesome as well. And my favorite time of year is March Madness. We've got the high school state tournament going on here at Indiana. And, of course, you hope Indiana's in the field of 68, what I think it is now. And, uh, obviously, that's a great time. There's no question about it. But one of my favorite sports times of the year is the college football uh, college basketball overlap that will happen uh, in, I guess, what, early November for a bit. Then, of course, you've got bowl games that come back around the holidays and into the, the new calendar year. So a fun time ahead. College basketball will be here soon. And for IU, it all starts with Hoosier Hysteria. Dylan, thanks for checking in with us on this Friday. Enjoy some high school football tonight. Yep, absolutely. Thank you. We'll head to a commercial break. Come back with Kyle Neddenrip of the Indianapolis Star, our final segment of the week. We'll check in with Kyle on high school football, basketball recruiting. You know, the fall period is ongoing, and Mike Woodson, his staff, have been all around the Hoosier State checking out prospects. A couple days ago, they were over in Louisville to watch male high school 2023 prospect Caleb Glenn. So we'll discuss that and more. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Pat Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Friday program. Kyle Deddenrip of the Indianapolis Star checks in for his Friday visit. Lots to get to, and we'll start with basketball stuff today. Kyle, a player from the Hoosier State yesterday uh, committed to Wisconsin. It's not often that you uh, see a Big Ten commitment from the state that doesn't go to IU or Purdue. And this is a player from Central Noble that I haven't seen play and I'm not as familiar with as other prospects in our state, but Wisconsin coming in and plucking a Hoosier native. Yeah, uh, Connor Asegian from uh, Central Noble, and he's kind of a, you know, probably still a little bit of an unknown for people even who follow basketball in the state, uh, just because, you know, partly because of the pandemic, you know, people haven't been able to see, uh, you know, last year any AAU and then, 
you know, even this past year was, was relatively limited as far as, uh, as, as events go and at least people being out as, as they normally are. So that's part of it. And then part of it too, he plays at a smaller school. That's a little bit out of the, you know, out of the way up there in the Northeast corner of the state, uh, North, North Fort Wayne. And, you know, it's a, it's an interesting story. I, I talked to him at the top, you know, the underclass showcase at Ben Davis in June. And, you know, we talked a little bit about his recruitment at that point. And even then, you know, at, at that point, he didn't have, you know, I would say maybe, you know, five, six, seven offers. And they were all basically mid-majors at that point. Good schools. You know, Belmont was in there and they had been on him for a long time. And, you know, Furman and, and some schools out there in the, you know, kind of the, the mid-Atlantic uh, area that he was about to go visit at that point. So, you know, his recruitment really took off when he was able to be seen in, in those couple weekends in June and then July uh, playing with Indiana Elite. He uh, uh, moved over to their program and, you know, that, that really, his recruitment really took off at that point. And, you know, again, it was, and I wrote this the other day, you know, talking to him again, it was partly about, you know, just the, the pandemic of the last 18 months and, and how that affected his recruitment. He wasn't able to be seen a whole lot. And in part, because before he played, you know, for a, for a program that wasn't a big time, you know, it was more of a local program and, and he complimented them on how much they got him ready to, to, take this game to the next level but you know some other schools came in on him obviously he had wake forest wisconsin he took official official visits to uh he narrowed his choices down to to seven and some of those schools like proof fort wayne had been with him for a long time and um you know a few others too that were mid-majors loyola was in there and he really liked them but he ultimately decided for wisconsin and you know i think uh you know, that's probably his, his style of game, you know, ball move off the ball movement and, you know, the way they run their offensive back cuts and, you know, how the typical Wisconsin uh, style of play, I think, you know, will, will fit him well. And I think it's a, a process that the recruiting process, he really, you know, had a chance to, uh, you know, enjoy this and kind of benefit the, you know, reap the benefits uh, here as, as he uh, got all these offers, but, you know, took a trip to Wake Forest as well and really liked it. He mentioned Jake LaRavia, who's down there now from Lawrence Central, who uh, he really connected well with. But uh, you know, I think partly any kid who grows up around here is is probably, uh, you know, has watched a lot of Big Ten basketball, and I think that played a factor, and as well as everything else, the, just the connection he had there and, and the uh, style of play and all that. But, uh you know, pretty good uh, story, and it's interesting. And I think you know he wasn't even a junior all star last year, so I know his goal is to make the the all star Indian all star team. And you know, I think he'll, he'll have a shot at that. But uh, kind of a an off the radar uh, type of a story, and you don't see that a whole lot anymore. The way things are covered uh, recruiting wise, so kind of kind of a cool deal. Yeah, definitely uh, interesting player. I'll be following him this upcoming high school basketball season. Thinking of this season. Uh, you had a story uh, earlier in the week about the Forum Tip-Off Classic, which is always played at Southport Fieldhouse on the campus of Southport High School. And it's really become a great early season event to showcase a lot of the better teams, some great matchups, but also a lot of individual talent and recruits. And so not just guys that are seniors that are already committed, but uh, I've seen a lot of great future stars play in that event as well. Once again this year, there are some tremendous matchups. Some great prospects are going to be featured. And I'm just glad once again that we're able to talk about events in our state that mean so much to the basketball landscape like the Forum Tip-Off Classic. 
Yeah, you, you've seen this become kind of a, an annual event, and I had people asking me about it even, you know, coincidentally this week as it was coming about to come out. So, you know, very good field again. Brownsburg has a good event, too, at the end of uh, – uh, in uh, early December, that is, and they've added a girls' event at the end of uh, November, uh, Thanksgiving weekend. So it's – it's you know, we've seen more of these type of a day uh, day events uh, pop up, and I, it's a cool thing, I think. And we, we've seen different sites. But this Forum Tip-Off Classic has been uh, a staple for a few years now, and you have uh, – you know, really Purdue fans, you know, in, in this case, there's a lot of Purdue uh, recruits in this. Uh, Miles Colvin is from Heritage Christian. He's playing. He's a 2023 player. Uh, they're playing Southport in the first game. Um, I know uh, people down there know about Bloomington North and J.Q. Roberts, who's a, another 2023 guy. Uh, they're playing Frank, Frank Franklin Central, excuse me, uh, who uh, coached by Chris Byers, a uh, longtime Bloomington South assistant, um, you know, Bar Reeve, and you mentioned Central Noble. They're they're playing in this as well. Uh, Bar Reeve, of course, very always a, a quality team in the, in the the smaller classes and Attics in Zionsville. And I know uh, you know Logan Imes from Zionsville continues to get uh, more and more offers and interest. Another 2023 kid who's will be fun to watch. And, and Attics is loaded with Jalen Hooks and others on that squad. And and then uh, you know you. Cathedral and Gary Westside, it should be a great game with Jalen Washington, who's going to North Carolina against uh, Xavier Booker and that group from Cathedral, Tayshawn Comer, that Jackson Edwards, all Division One prospects. That should be a great game. And then you mentioned, uh, you know, kind of the the uh, you know headline event would be Westfield and Homestead at the at the last game with two uh, Purdue recruits in that with Fletcher Lawyer of Homestead and Braden Smith of Westfield, and you know a few guys in this mix, including lawyer and Smith, who could be, uh, Mr. Basketball candidates, Jalen Washington, certainly, uh, I think has a shot at that. And, um, so it should be a, should be a really good event always is. And, and looking forward to that when yeah, it comes up. Absolutely. One other announcement this week as well. The McDonald's all American game is back after the conclusion of this upcoming high school basketball season, the 45th anniversary. And the game is going to be played in Chicago. I think last year we, uh, saw the McDonald's All-American team's name. There was no game. And when it came time for the NBA draft, which was a lot later than normal, I'm thinking, gosh, I don't know as much about these guys. I didn't get to see them play on TV or uh, the McDonald's game didn't happen this year. So that's always – I know it's an all-star game. I know it's not always the most competitive, true basketball game, but it's it's a fun piece of our high school basketball calendar each year. We'll see if Indiana can uh, find a way to get somebody in the game. They've had a lot of Hoosier natives in that contest over the years. Yeah, good to see it come back to Chicago. It lets us uh, get up there and cover it. I've covered it several times in, in Chicago, and uh, you know Gary Donna used to come up to that. Uh, you know, remember sitting up – with him uh, high above the <laughs> the United Center uh, up there in their press box area up there, but uh, always enjoyed going making that trip up at the end of the season. So uh, looking forward to uh, hopefully doing that again if we have a player there. You know that that's the thing you don't know for sure if you have a player there or not. But uh, you know this, I would hope there'd be somebody of local uh, note in that, and could be Jalen Washington. You know could be could be somebody else, but. Uh, you know, good to see that game move back to kind of its its home. And you know, I, I think Matt, you were down there in Atlanta when they had when Romeo Lankford made it, and yeah. that was a good 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 place too. Just a little bit harder to get to for us uh, up here. Yeah, no question. Kyle Nedenrip, the Indianapolis Star. Kyle, we are out of time, but as we exit today, uh, high school football tonight. Where will you be at for Week Five? 
I'm headed out to uh, Westfield and Hamilton Southeastern, a couple of top top uh, top ten teams. I think Westfield's uh, two and HSC's seven or six this week. So I uh, saw HSC last week. They're very good and, and uh, curious to see how they stack up with Westfield. So it should, should be a great crowd and uh, should be a really good game. Great stuff. That's going to wrap it up for this Friday program. Thank you, Kyle. Back with you next week at 11 a.m. IU Cincinnati on Saturday. We'll have it here on the Big X, and we'll recap everything Monday here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.